Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 43 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Wednesday, August 26th. No Wednesday Night Dynamite this week. No, but we are your filter. Is that the right word? Filter? Filler. Not filter. Not filter. We are your filler. We'll be talking about Dynamite last week, the Dynamite upcoming preview show. We will do both. We will catch up on anything new Japan. I don't think there's much news. The KOPW is it does it stand for Kings of Pro Wrestling? Yes. Confirmed? Yes. That started. I thought that was in October. Well the G one is in October. That has started. And we're through the first round and we have not caught up. I didn't even know that was taking place. So that is a major mistake on my part. So we'll make sure to catch up on that best that we possibly can. So, Sorry, guys. But here we are. We're going to cover the Saturday Dynamite Special. It was an extremely busy weekend for ourselves and for wrestling. Obviously, Dynamite on Saturday. That was exciting. But we also had a couple of uh, family get-togethers and gatherings. There was a SummerSlam on Sunday, which I'm sure everybody was excited to watch. There was a takeover at the same time as AEW on Saturday, but given the circumstances, AEW did pretty well. Yeah, 775,000 viewers, right? Something around those lines. Uh, number five in the demo. Yeah, n- not a ratings podcast, but nonetheless, we did discuss a little bit of the potential busy weekend, so it is good to see that AEW did still have the audience they expected to have, 775,000 viewers. They ran into the start of NXT's TakeOver event, which was obviously highly touted and expected. Big matches on that card. SummerSlam the next night. Successful wrestling weekend, I think we can Very, very, very successful wrestling weekend for those who enjoy all varieties of wrestling, which is not us. I'm content with my Saturday Night Dynamite. I didn't need anything more. But nonetheless, we'll go ahead and get started. So Dynamite opens with tag team action, FTR versus Private Party. No entrances, straight in the ring, getting down to it. Well, we came off the lead-in, which was the NBA playoff game. So I think they wanted to jump right into the action and try to hold your attention. So FTR comes in right in against Private Party. Again, it's a good match between two contenders. They like to make Private Party contenders inside of the tag team division. So it's it's a very highly touted match. Yeah, FTR versus Private Party. Very fast-paced. FTR out with Tully at ringside, rocking a very nice FTR jacket. It's clear that Tully is now connected, which thus would make Sean Spears immediately connected, even though we have not seen them together. The assumption would be that they are together. No? I would think. When you have Tully obviously mentoring Sean Spears, and now he's in the corner of FTR wearing an FTR jacket, I would assume that they are aligned in some manner, or shape or form, as a coalition. 
as Tully Blanchard's coalition. I'll call them a coalition. I don't hate it. Again, I, I have said I'm a big Sean Spears fan, and I have to see something happen with Sean Spears soon. I feel I, like I've, soon is upon us. But I feel like I've been saying that for a long time. Good things come to those who wait. So with Tully and FTR together, obviously they had a promo a little bit later on. I'm going to jump ahead, but they had it with Hangman Page, how they were upset about the whole thing last week with the Rock and Roll Express and attacking them and attacking the Bucks, yada, yada, yada. I get that. But Adam Page is not necessarily against it. So could Adam Page be joining Tully Blanchard in the rankings of FTR and potentially Sean Spears? Well, F, uh, Hangman wasn't too pleased about the, the upcoming gauntlet, it seemed. Not too much, and that's what I wanted to preview while we recap this match. This match was fine. I thought it was it was a good match. I, I'm very high on FTR. It's clear that Dax is headed toward the Arn Anderson look. Bald head, kind of scruffy beard, kind of big spine busters and things. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm an Arn Anderson fan. I'm a Cash Wheeler chick, but no, I thought this was very fast-paced, nice energy. Uh, you really can't go wrong opening the show with Private Party. Um, I think they're fun to watch, and I thought they meshed really well with FTR. Another good win for FTR, obviously. They're number one in the tag ranks, and that sets us up for the, the gauntlet. It does set us up for the gauntlet, but one of the things that I did want to talk about here is I just want to ask fan participation. Does anybody else think that the things that Private Party does sometimes are a little over the top? Like just doing float overs to, to drop an arm breaker or whatever. You know, you, know you, you do an arm twist. Like theatric. Like you wrench his arm across. Theatric, yeah. It, it almost seems unnecessarily theatric. And I find that sometimes it takes away a little bit from the intensity of the match. You got FTR, the number one tag team in the entire division. And you're kind of like floating over in an arm wrench to drop an elbow on a shoulder. Tagging, I think, you know, I think they it's have their style. A it's their thing. Yeah, like FTR is more nitty gritty, serious. They're you know follow the rules tag team, and Private Party's serious, but they're also lighthearted and and again, showy. I have zero problem. We talked about their character. I love the Private Party character. I think it fits them so well. I think they handle it so well. I, I'm only bringing this up. Because I watched this match, and there was a point where they were doing a little tag team work, shows great camaraderie in the corner, and they were tagging in, if it was Mark Quinn or if it was Isaiah Cassidy, it didn't make a difference. He came in, kind of did an over-the-top float over just to drop an elbow on the shoulder, kind of felt deliberate, almost felt choreographed. A little over-choreographed. So, I don't know if that's something that's starting to kind of take its toll on me a little bit with their types of matches that they do. But, I don't know, I, I guess I'm just being nitpicky. Bucks do it all the time. Ray Phoenix does it all the time. So it's probably just me. Fan participation. Let us know your thoughts. Um, do we want to talk about the gauntlet here, or do we want to wait? Because we have two more participants in later matches. No, we'll talk dynamite. about the gauntlet. We'll talk about the gauntlet. Because these weren't really qualifying matches. So, the gauntlet match next week is going to be Best Friends... Natural Nightmares versus the Bucks, number four and number three. Winners go on to face Best Friends, and winners go on to face FTR. Tag Team Gauntlet, winners of that, go on to face Kenny and Hangman, AW World Tag Team Championship at All Out. So, I wonder if they're going to schedule this as one match, or if this is going to be three matches across the card. Like, 
an actual gauntlet one after the other after the other you mean yeah so in the wwe many people are familiar with the tag team turmoil it's a term that they used and essentially one tag team after another would come out potentially till the end and the winner would be tag team champions so if you think back to armageddon 2003 there's a little flashback tag team turmoil was the one at the end of the show not the end of the show but the end of the match uh, the Dudley boys had defended their world tag team titles, and they had to face Batista and Ric Flair. That was the night that Evolution had all the titles. But to talk a little bit about this tag team gauntlet, I, are they going to structure it like a tag team turmoil, or are we going to be... And then you have the... Na- are, are you going to open up with the Bucks and the Natural Nightmares, or are you going to do you know this, this full one-length match? It's going to take about an hour. That, I, I just wonder. I don't know. Are they going to get a break? Are they going to have spaces? I I just wonder. And it's obviously an advantage regardless for FTR, who's the final team. And I think that with the logic and how AEW really doesn't insult their audiences. You have the best team. It has a double buy, essentially. They should win. Should end up going to all out. It would make sense. It would make sense. They don't insult your intelligence in that matter. No, they don't. Uh, but, you know, my, my first reaction was, all right, Bucks are going to beat the Natural Nightmares. Bucks are going to be best friends, setting me up for heartbreak. And then it's going to be Bucks versus FTR. And then I, I thought, you know, I'm stuck on this triple threat. So there'd be some screwy finish or whatever. And we get triple threat action at uh, All Out. But then I realized, you know, the Bucks and FTR have not faced yet. Is this dynamite match going to be their their first meeting? It probably I... shouldn't be. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be enough time. Of course, the, the Bucks are coming from round one. Regardless yeah. if it's if it's spaced or if it's one match, they're coming from round one. So, I mean, just a human being is going to be tired. Not robots. So, when you get to, to match three, can it live up to the expectations of FTR and Young Bucks? That's a question. Yeah, it's a fair question. So I think that the best way to do this would probably get a team like Best Friends to get a win versus FTR. It's a match I don't think we've seen. No, no, we haven't. You get that as a main event level match. Winner goes to All Out, takes on Kenny and Hangman, and that is FTR. Or the expectation that it is FTR. You also have the number five ranked team, uh, Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson, sitting on the outskirts, so... Are they going to be hanging out on the outskirts of this? I don't know. Uh, I don't want to see anything too screwy, but I feel like that's something to watch. Well, the one thing that we know with AEW is that they don't give you these screwy finishes. You're going to get a winner. One way or another. They rarely use disqualifications. They give you a winner. And you need a winner when you're going to a pay-per-view. We shall see. With MJF and Moxley, when we get to All Out, there's going to be a winner. One way or another. Yeah, so that actually transitions us perfectly to the next segment of Dynamite. After the first tag team match, Mox cut a little promo backstage, um, you know, telling MJF that, hey, you are the future of wrestling, but your time is not now. This was one of the better Moxley promos as of recently. I mean, he's got some good emotional promos over the time that he's been in AEW, but... When you look at the promos that Moxley's cut, this one was probably the best one. It felt very real. 
It yeah. felt like we're talking to MJF. We're talking directly with what MJF's been saying and campaigning. And I, I just felt this one felt a lot more personal. Personal, and it raised the stakes for the match. Um, and then we then we relayed into MJF. It did raise the stakes, and we relay into MJF. They hint a little bit potentially about Moxley's wife getting involved. Could Renee potentially make an appearance on pay-per-view? Be crazy. But we transition into MJF potentially playing a political campaign. Obviously, we're coming into the election time. He's he got has his Burberry, he's got his entire on. team, he has a neck brace on. got his lawyer, and uh, the, leading us to next week's preview, we're going to have an official contract signing for the All Out World Championship match, AW World Championship match. And if Mox signs, which, why would the Mox man not sign, the paradigm shift is banned. Hey, he's been practicing submissions, right? We this good. sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, this is like when Okada stopped doing the Rainmaker, and now he's choking people out. This is just same thing. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. He's going to be choking people out. That's not what Mox does. It's what he does now. We've seen it. We've planted those seeds. They're tr- they're trying to plant uh, it seeds. It's you're right. Good. They're trying to set up stipulations. They're trying to make it a little bit unique. And just between the two of them, I think they may need that a little bit because we've discussed many times. We don't feel that MJF maybe is ready. I don't feel. That MJF is particularly ready for this spotlight on pay-per-view for the main title. So I think it kind of takes some onus off of the direct heat or line of attention that MJF's going to get for the type of match that maybe he will convey. So I think it adds a little stipulation. It it adds a little bit of a piece. They can work that in. Listen, give these guys credit. Moxley can build a hell of a match. His match with Brody Lee at double or nothing was fantastic. And I'm sure at MJF it'll be nothing less. They're both unique storytellers in their own way. And I feel like this is going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. And this, uh, these promos got me pretty hyped uh, for All Out. Moving on, though. We had eight-man tag team action, Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares versus Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Bros. So this match was, again, a kind of a cluster. It was eight-man tag. Everybody kind of got their... Everybody felt like they got their offense in. It was one of those things that I talked about before. No entrance again. No Just entrances. Started straight in the ring. No Butcher and Blade driving the Lucha Bros. You don't really... Yes. <sighs> but they don't really need an entrance, I don't think, for this type of thing. No, you're You've right. You've had this type of match multiple times. You've had the same guys in matches like this multiple just times. Just get down to the action. Just, just get in the action. But it did feel like one of those things where everybody kind of had to get their offense off. Obviously, Jungle Boy looked like a star here flying in and out of the ring. The match was a solid B. I mean, it wasn't anything wrong with it. Like the first match, everything's been a, everything on the card is essentially a B. Well, this one wasn't as much about the match itself. Obviously, this one had to do with the storytelling. So you had the Lucha Bros falling out with, with Butcher and Blade. Uh... It was Penta and Blade? Or was I it believe so. Phoenix I, and Blade? I believe it was Penta, yeah. But it was Blade nonetheless. Because uh, Butcher was not necessarily involved in the direct heat of this. That's right, yep. And, uh, you know, they, they start to get into, get into words, and Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares get the win, and Eddie Kingston comes out and is trying to rally the troops together. And stop them from falling apart at the seams. So, Eddie Kingston, I think I've said this before, I I wanted to see him lead a group of individuals. 
And yeah, I and I said have, that to you. They, oh, sorry. And I think that they have the right individuals that fits it. I, I mean, I think guys like Proud and Powerful Private Party may have needed a little edge right now. Obviously, we've seen Proud and Powerful get that edge back. But I, I do think that they need a little edge. But they got the right guys. Lucha Brothers are some of the most dangerous individuals, let alone as a tag team. Penta and Phoenix are some of the most dangerous individuals in all of wrestling. They are the most versatile, they are hardcore, they are luchadors, they are anything that they want to be. And Butcher and Plate, obviously we're really high on them. I think that they have a great character for this group. Dangerous, meat cleaving. Is that the right word? Meat cleaving? Butcher shop owning. They fit, okay? They fit. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. Um, I had said to you, I think last week before the show, don't, don't forget Eddie Kingston's here. We haven't seen him since the TNT Championship match, but, you know, he, he signed. And I thought this was a nice reintroduction. Uh, we had that little wink at the end. Uh, was he winking at the camera? Was he winking at the audience? I, is this a joke? What, what, are we, what are we doing? Well, we do know that some of the promo itself was cut out. You mentioned that. So we don't know if maybe it was a reference to something that he was winking about. That maybe we didn't get that reference because maybe some of the pieces were cut. So I, we don't know. But it could play a role later on. Maybe they could see it and say, hey, you know what? This happened. Let's play something into this. Let's yeah. do this later. We were, we, Again, they're the best at adapting to real-life situations. At first, I thought, you know, hey, this is really cool. Badass team. Eddie Kingston's the perfect leader. I'm behind this. Then we rewatched the show yesterday. And I was like, ooh, that wink. <laughs> what does this mean? Um, so I guess we'll see. Hopefully it bodes well for the two tag teams. But I don't know. We'll see. The opening tag, that segment was followed up by Orange Cassidy's first in-ring interview, which was actually interrupted by Le Champion Chris Jericho, introducing the Mimosa Mayhem match. Now I need to eat my words here, because last week I said that I felt complete, I felt like I did not need the rubber match, Jericho and Cassidy can lay this feud to rest... And I was wrong, okay? M mimosa Mayhem. This is what we need. Now, the idea of a Mimosa Mayhem match, I am all down for. I think this is unique. I like these stipulations. I like these, these I don't want to call them stupid matches, these silly matches, these off-the-cuff matches, you know, like the stadium stampede matches. I don't know how to define that. You can't really define that match, right? Is it in Indescribable. It, it's you just have indescribable, to watch it. Right? So I'm expecting a lot. Out of what is a mimosa mayhem. So I, I'm excited to see... Submission or you're or tossed into oh. mimosa. Dr tossed into mimosa, okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't drown in mimosa. They almost drowned him while they waterboarded him in the middle of that promo. <laughs> they, yeah. they hung him upside down and, and buried Spray him. bubbly on... Champagne. Oh my but goodness. The promo itself was okay. Wasn't a huge fan of the introduction of this. Didn't think they needed a big 15-minute extravagance to tell this story. Uh, I don't think it was 15 minutes, but it felt like it. Probably commercial before, commercial after, and a big five, eight-minute segment in between. It was a C. The segment itself was fine. Uh, getting here again, it does feel like maybe we didn't have anything for Jericho coming up to the pay-per-view. So we just figured, hey, let's just continue this Orange Cassidy thing. Because I just felt like... This is all they have right at this very second. Everybody's kind of tied up. So Jericho, if Mike Tyson wasn't going to be involved, which obviously he isn't, 
you kind of had right. to go in the direction of just continuing the Orange Cassidy. But you know what? This should be the end of it. That's This is the third match. So where do you go from there? But also, Mimosa Mayhem. I mean, I, yeah. Didn't know I needed it, but but I do. Um, Moving on, we had Trio's tag action. The Elite versus Dark Order number 3, 4, and 5. Started off the match with Nick. This is this is how these matches start. So this match, as a match, was fine. I like that they advertised on the BTE that the biggest rivalry they had was against, essentially, Dark Order out in BWG. I like that, I believe it was Tony Schiavone who talked about that segment and said it on commentary that, hey, you know what, these guys, this is their biggest feud. This is their biggest rivalry. So I'm glad that Tony Schiavone did do that. I, I appreciate the fact that he played into that BTE. But again, the Dark Order is very far and few between legitimate contenders. You have Stu Grayson and Evil Uno, who I consider a viable tag team option. They're number five. And I like Stu Grayson. I think Stu Grayson's a great wrestler. I like Silver and Reynolds, but I like Silver and Reynolds for what they've used them for. And of course, you have Brody Lee, the new TNT champion. But everybody else is kind of thrown to the wayside. I do not give them any value. They have no value. They are just essentially jobber pieces added to the team. And when you put them against the, the Young Bucks and the Elite, when you put them against Kenny Omega and you're competing at a high level in which they are potentially could beat these guys, I, I, I don't think that that makes much sense. So I don't necessarily agree with the booking. I don't think this match needed to be 10 minutes long of back-and-forth action. Obviously, the right winner did win. So and you I, think the psychology was off in that's that the sense? Right word. Yeah. The match I don't, was good. I thought it was entertaining. I don't necessarily mind it. We described a couple of weeks ago how when a... An enhancement talent, you call them, or a local talent who doesn't have experience facing Kenny Omega, continues to wrestle and gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. I understand that. But you're also selling the story of that individual character, that personality. The Dark Order pieces, they're just minions. They don't have characters. They all wear masks. We're talking about the ones that are sub-Silver and Reynolds. So there's just a bunch of masked characters who essentially are... Thing one, thing two, thing three. And you want to sell the story that they're potentially on the level of upset of the elite? I'm not a big fan of that. It's because they're also nondescript. That, it's because they're nondescript. But I thought the match was actually pretty entertaining. Well, I th I Alan Angels was, was very entertaining. Is that oh, his name, uh, Alan Angels? For sure, yeah, number five, Alan Angels. Um, I think that's the hard line is, you know, they AEW does a great job of giving us high-quality entertaining matches and it doesn't seem like they want to compromise on length which is cool like I appreciate that when I'm watching but when you're looking at it on the other side of well should these guys really be contenders when Silver and Reynolds have been enhancement talent since they've been brought in suspension of disbelief it's also about the way that they portray the dark order again if Reynolds and Silver are consistently facing the Young Bucks eventually they're going to get better against the Young Bucks but when you're all wearing a mask and essentially be, being considered nondescript, you don't have a character, you don't have growth, this is what you are, you're a minion, to put up the fight, 
against essentially and we know that these guys are just minions they're just enhancements it, it just kind of it's maybe it's my brain i'm divided here it's like my brain will accept an enhancement talent or a local talent getting better pineapple pete growing i'll accept that but when there's a guy who just wears a mask who doesn't have a character growing i don't accept it it's me it's me like, there's nothing about the guy doesn't cut a promo, doesn't talk, doesn't... It, it, there's nothing well, about him. Because they're not supposed to. I, exactly. On Dynamite, BTE is different. But, it, but exactly. So what would give them the right to compete with the guys who are the top stars? That, that's, what I'm, that's what my brain can't differentiate between. But the match itself was very entertaining. Like you said, they always give you entertaining matches. And they always make sure not to give you something of a squash because that's what Dark is for. Dark is always getting these guys over. Like Scorpio Sky built his record on Dark. Yeah, wins and like, losses. It, it's, that's what Dark record. is for. So you're not going to put a match like that on Dynamite very often. You're going to do that on Dark. Which is fine. That's what Dark's purpose is. Get a lot of guys experience. Get them extra work. Give them an audience. Those who watch it, half a million viewers watch Dark or so. I mean, that's great. That's fantastic. I think it's a great platform for them. But the, the pieces of the Dark Order just feel like you got Brody Lee and, and, you know, Uno and Grayson and kind of everybody else who doesn't feel like they belong on the same stature as when they're facing guys like the Elite. But maybe it'll be changing because things are looking up for the Dark Order, which we'll be discussing. Dark Order is one of the most entertaining, if not the most entertaining faction right now. For sure. Brody Lee was fantastic. That ending of the show, which we will talk about, was yeah. fantastic. But, you know, even what else needs to be discussed is Kenny gets the win, he hits the one-winged angel, hops out of the ring, gets a steel chair for no reason, seemingly whatsoever, and is trying to, to lay the beat down on the Dark Order in the ring. So he is furthering his descent into madness. My weekly I Love Nick Jackson pl plug right here. We always start off the tag team action with Nick. And yeah, that's good shit. Well, I think it's opposite of what people thought, or at least it's giving the direction that Kenny's going to be the heel here. And we had discussed, I don't know if we discussed it last week or if we discussed it just you and I this weekend after watching the events transpire with Kenny Omega. But watching a role reversal where Moxley is the face and Kenny is clearly the heel and they go into a match that favors Kenny, a singles one-on-one -on -one competitive match for the world title at full gear, one year from the original. That's beautiful. Can't beat it. I hope. <sighs> we'll see once again. Moving on, uh, we had Darby Allen versus Will Hobbs. Quick singles action. Uh, really, I mean, the, what's notable here is what happened after the match. I also just want to say prior to it, yeah, it was a C, it was fine. I, I like Will Hobbs. Yes, you do. I think I that Will also. Hobbs' offense looks great. Obviously, he's working with Darby, who I think can sell well for everybody. Darby makes things very believable for big men. So the match with Ricky Starks, which we'll talk about, or potentially Brian Cage, we don't really know what it's going to be at all out. It's going to be fantastic. But he would work so well with Brian Cage regardless. Yeah. But Will Hobbs, I love the way that he performs offensively. I'm a big fan of the way that Will Hobbs presents his character. Obviously, big men present themselves in different men, just huge spine busters bumping around the ring, just, just physical, physical nature, like a football player. He reminds me of a football player. And it's something that I... Uh, Will Hobbs, he's got a lot of potential. Huge ceiling. 
He's a big dude moving really fast. Yeah, and the, the contrast in size between him and Darby, I think, really showcased that that offense that you're talking about. Uh, so that's that's cool to see. But post match, we have Taz calling out the newest member of Team Taz, Darby, and out comes Ricky Starks, face paint, skimpy tank top, <laughs> and calls Darby the Turtle Guy. I like skateboarding and turtles. I laughed so hard. That that promo was... That was a good promo. Absolutely golden. It was hilarious. Um, Ricky Starks is good. Yeah, Darby and Ricky Starks, I thought that was that was a great promo. Brian Cage came out. And the match between Ricky Starks and Darby Allen, if that's going to be the direction yeah. they go in, that's fantastic. I they mean, it, it looks great. Darby in the ring. Starks is slapping him, screaming at him on the mic further. Uh Good. It's good. And this is all because Darby didn't want Taz's help. It, what's interesting is that Ricky Starks is not a big guy, but he looked big. He's in great shape. Yeah, no, I, I like him. He's, he's not a big guy, but he, he's in great shape right now. Ricky Starks is very entertaining. I think it helps that he can actually, I don't want to say cut a promo, but it helps that he can talk as well as he does because they don't need Taz kind of as a, as a handcuff. Cage and Starks can do things without Taz. They can Taz. hold their own, Right, yeah. they can hold their own, essentially. But then you have Taz. And you have Taz, exactly. As that extra ammo, mm-hmm. and it's just... Like, I, we they said feel it, it's like, like the time. perfect package. They, it it's, is the perfect great. group. They, are, they feel big time. They feel valuable. I like that group. This is a great group. They feel important. It they was teasing a, a new member of Team Taz, and I'm like, but I, I don't know that we even need anyone. Obviously, it was, it was Ricky Starks all along, but... I think this little trio is good. Uh, don't think we need anyone else. This was followed up by the finals of the Women's Tag Team Cup. Ivelisse and Diamante versus the Nightmare Sisters. I-, I thought this was the best match of the entire women's tournament. I agree. I agree. I think the entire tournament was a, a good spotlight for the women. Absolutely. It gave them an opportunity to work in tag teams, so if maybe some of them weren't ready to work singles or long-term action, it kind of buffs that. You got a, you got four people in the ring working together with great camaraderie. You gave them an entire platform. I know that people were upset that they weren't on Dynamite, but some individuals were just not ready for television. I, and that, That's just the honest truth. But everybody... everybody Performed really, really well. They busted their ass, but they gave them a platform. They gave them their own show. They weren't relegated to dark, if you want to put it that way. They had their own YouTube channel. Got over half a million views on all their tournaments. It was a successful run. Absolutely, and I don't want to discredit the tournament itself. I I, I think this match, the finals, was was the best, but I really enjoyed it uh, through and through. I like you said, it was a nice highlight for the women, and, and I think I'm proud right, of everyone I think, there. I I thought it was cool. And I think now, when it's all said and done, I was a big on the Nightmare Sisters. I think the right team won. Yeah, Evelise and Diamante pick up the win. And you get them signed. You get them on your television because the depth in division is lacking. And like we said, we hoped that soon we could see full competitive matches on Dynamite again. And with Diamante and Eva Lise involved, I think we can get there. We had another two individuals. Ali comes back full time now because you know that this whole Nightmare Sisters thing is probably going to fall apart. So yeah. you know we're we're getting we're getting the women's action back. 
We're yeah, getting the women's action. And if they can get Tay Conti, that'd be and a J at the end of the show, right? It, it, we're yeah. getting the women's action back. It just took time because of all the injuries and all the the distance without Riho, et cetera, et cetera. It's getting back. They're, yeah. they're figuring out their way. They're they're adapting and they're constantly evolving. They're not just sitting there complacent. They're trying to find new individual competitors, and I think they've done it. I I agree. So hats off to all the ladies for the hard work put in during this tournament. Um, I I loved it. I that's it. I loved it, and I thought the finals were awesome. We'll do a quick preview here for this upcoming Dynamite tomorrow. We get. Dr. Britt Baker returning with Reba and Penelope Ford in a handicap match to take on Big Swole. So talking about the so women's this, division, this, we're this getting happened, our pieces. This has to end in some type of shenanigan. I, I, yeah. If I, there's going to be a DQ at any time or anything, this, that, that, is, that, this, that, is, this is the time. I like to have a finish, but I mean, this one just doesn't seem like it's fair. I mean, I know it's wrestling. Swole it just doesn't just seem fair. <laughs> destroys all of them. So, oh my in this instance, obviously something's going to happen. I guess Big Swole may bring Lil Swole. Maybe. Maybe they're going to debut some of those individuals. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair. But I'm looking forward to All Out. Hopefully we get the Big Swole versus Britt Baker one-on-one. Maybe this is going to be a way to quiet the peanut gallery. No, that's not the right word. Remove the managers. I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. I bar ban the extras, the others ba- from ringside. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got, we got there. there. We got there. But maybe it's, I'm not going to say a steel cage. I don't want a Britt Baker coming off a knee injury, throwing right into a steel cage. But something along the line, lumberjack, you could do that. You could have them all there, opposite. Bring them all out. Yeah. We're going to make it huge. You yeah. might as well just bring everybody out. That's not a bad thought. Is lumberjack gear required, or is that best friends only? The best friends only. Yeah, you're right. Um. But that should be fun. I am super excited for that, and I expect a whole lot of shenanigans. I just, I can't, it can't happen any other way, I feel like. But this brings us to the finals, uh, the, the finals, the main event of the evening. Cody versus Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. So... This match was completely unexpected. Completely unexpected. So completely unexpected. Brody Lee and Cody. And Brody Lee comes out and dominates Cody. The certified squash. <laughs> and it was good. It, it was, was an A. It was, it was good. It was great. It was, it was very well done. I thought that it wasn't short. It wasn't really a burial as much. They had to go out of the ring. You, no, it, it was it certified was a, squash it was wasn't well the right done. word. But it, it wasn't was... quite because people were comparing it to Brock Lesnar or Goldberg. It wasn't quite that. They went outside the ring. They fought. They used it. Just showed that Brody Lee is on another level. And we said this last week, and I was disappointed, and I still am disappointed in the way that they advertised or the way that they portrayed Scorpio Sky. Because he will always be our guy. Yeah. But does th- this makes everybody in that field worse. But it also enhances where John Moxley is. Because Moxley somehow beat Brody. And MJF beat Cody also. So they're right in that bracket there. They're telling you that MJF is right in that bracket. That's how I kind of saw this. But the match itself was entertaining. And then the post-match beatdown was arguably the most entertaining piece in the past four months. Th- this feels like 
the dynamite of old, <laughs> pre-COVID. This felt like something I loved to watch back in the day. Oh, As my much as gosh. it's like, oh, I don't want to see it. When you strap Rey Mysterio to a stretcher and you throw him against the ring post, it's, it's something you don't want to see, but you can not take your eyes off of it and you remember it forever. Well, my dude, like, we're sitting here and we're like, oh, shit, Brody Lee won. Um, because as much as it, it wasn't your typical squash, it, it ended faster than the other TNT Championship matches, or at least it felt that way. And then, you know, Cody's lifeless in the ring and he's strapped to the stretcher and he's got an oxygen mask on him. And the Dark Order just comes out and annihilates him. And they start attacking Arn and then Brandy's involved and... Dustin and, and, and QT and everyone is just destroyed by the Dark Order. And it just, whoa. Like. Well, it obviously sets up for him to be written off television for a little bit. Does it set up for Matt Cardona? We're going to do a little predicting here. Does it set up for Matt Cardona versus. Is Matt Cardona. I, again, I'm going to say his name 50 times here. Is Matt Cardona the guy who's going to come? Don't laugh at me. I just said, <laughs> Say it one more time. Is Matt Cardona going to be the guy to come and defend the honor of his friend? Well, maybe, because QT and Dustin uh, were a part of this beatdown. The Elite was nowhere to be found. What makes the most sense here is essentially Matt Cardona. He really makes the most sense for the seventh time now. <laughs> Eighth time I have to say this goddamn name. But Natural Nightmares against potentially Uno and Stu... I, yeah, that could At happen. At the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Brandy and Ooh, that would, Anna Jay. They're number four if, and number five. If not, you do a, a six-man, mixed mixed match. Why intergender not? match. Why not? And then you have the guy I mentioned earlier. Matt Cardona. Against Brody Lee. That because again, would make... I guess it makes sense right now because you're... This it makes isn't sense. over. It makes sense, but at the same time, you're looking at it and saying, hey, listen... The other guys, this has come back on it, just don't feel valuable to use. And that's what I was getting back to. Again, fan participation. If the fans feel like they are valuable pieces, let us know. If you don't agree with my opinion, I appreciate it. It stimulates conversation. But what's happening this Thursday, tomorrow, on Dynamite? Well, the only other thing that we didn't discuss is Matt Hardy versus Sammy G in a tables match. And that is probably the thing I'm most excited for. Oh, I'm, I'm all about the tag team gauntlet. I, I pitched to That's Matt Hardy me. and he ignored me on Twitter as I'm trying to become more active with my 32 followers. I'm trying to get people to see that maybe we should have a running bid on BTE where constantly something is being thrown through the air and in the distance it somehow hits Matt Hardy. I thought it was funny. And, you know, he throws a, an elbow pad, like, you know, back when The Rock would drop the people's elbow, he'd throw the elbow pad into the crowd. It would cut to Cutler Cam, and you'd see Matt Hardy get hit with the elbow pad. Keep pitching it. Don't if give you up. Don't, if you don't, don't, like, if you don't like my idea, I don't care. It's good. I laughed. It's funny. I popped really hard on BTE this week. We had Foil Man, Foil Gold Man. Where's Trent Vibes? Yeah, I liked it. So this match feels very important. Obviously, busted his head open. You have it's it's almost like a blood feud, and I'm surprised it's happening on dynamite. 
this tables match. It feels like it should be a pay-per-view match, so I'm pumped to see these guys go. I hope they give them 15 minutes, and I really hope that they, they go hard. I'm, I'm into this feud. Even though it doesn't feel like many people are talking about it, I'm involved in this. I... I think this feud is bigger now because of the blood spot because of the rumored heat as you call well, it on sammy the whole a, the whole thing a spot we forgot to to discuss so sammy comes out with his little cue cards uh we cut to commercial we come back and he's just getting his ass kicked by matt hardy and he gets thrown off the the stage onto a table matt so hardy tries to use he tries to use a seated chair if you want to call it that yeah. the heavy folding chairs and they're like absolutely not uh, but he wants him fired from BTE. Well, Hilarious. He, wa- he wants to kick his ass or, like, cave his head in and then future endeavor. Yeah. Nick and Matt said that they'll just fire him. I, I think it's... We'll a, see. I, I am into this feud. I, I'm, maybe I'm the only one. I don't see it talked about enough. I think this match is going to be really good. Who's better in a tables match besides the Hardys than the Dudleys? You know what I mean? It's Matt Hardy, man. You can't yeah, really this, go wrong. This should be fun. And you know what? Maybe it'll set up for something else at the pay-per-view. Uh, we still have Matt Hardy versus Jericho. That's got to happen sometime down the road. Obviously, not at all out because Mimosa Mayhem. But we'll see. Strong, strong looking show so far. Yeah, maybe it does set up for Matt Hardy to go against Jericho potentially in a something. The the delete one of the delete matches, the compound matches. Right. Yes, that's what it is. My 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 brain is failing. Me Ultimate right now. deletion. Or, or whatever. One of those. Yeah. But with Jericho, yeah, it could, could set up to that full gear. You could have, you know, a three-month build now. Matt Hardy gets back involved with Chris Jericho. You know, I mean, we, we did it here. They He's still involved. They destroyed Vanguard 1. They did. Never forget. But they brought back a new one. Vanguard and we got to see a little SCU. We got to see a little Kaz. Uh, what's going on with CD and Kaz? I haven't seen them in a minute. Uh, 50 plus... Kaz, uh, or, sorry, CD. Yes, but this is a show about Dynamite not being the elite. You want to run your own <laughs> podcast talking about being the elite? Be my guest. But this is about Dynamite. We plug a little being the elite. They do, they do crossover story. If anybody does watch BTE, it cannot be longer than 20 minutes. I can't watch 45-minute episodes. They're not. They're like 22. Nine? 30? There was an episode that was 30 minutes. Yeah, too long. Way too long. I can't even watch 20. 15. But you watch it every Monday when Barely. we eat dinner. Yeah. Well, it was quite the ending to Dynamite, nonetheless. Uh, I thought the involvement of Anna Jay choking out Brandy was added a nice level of aggression to the women's division, added a nice level of aggression to her. And hey, now maybe she's going to be a full-time player. So that's that's cool. That's added depth. I like having the diversity in the Dark Order. doesn't matter. Man, woman, alien, doesn't make a difference. Chris Statlander, I'm plugging you. But it doesn't make a difference. Dark Order is collecting people. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter who you are. It just shows they're a huge monstrosity. A big brand, a big evil corporation, as Tony Khan said. And they need to be stopped. And it's all up to Matt Cardona. I, I, I joined Dark Order a few months back. Did you? No. I'm happy that I did. Well, moving on to a little bit of New Japan news. Uh, Kenta defeated David Finley at the New Japan Strong Finals. So he gets 
NIWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship shot, I believe. He yeah, at some point cup, in the future. The yeah. USA if, Cup. If Moxley's going to have a chance to wrestle him, we don't know yet. Obviously, Moxley doesn't want to drop the title, but... He challenged He, he, he challenged, challenged Moxley, Moxley at the end so of the show. We'll see what ends up coming of it. it. Is what it is. They can't really go to Japan. The The quarantine status in America, I believe the suggestion from the CDC has been lifted. You don't have to wait the 14 days any longer. So yeah. I don't know if that applies to Japanese travel, though. If he's going to fly to Japan, I don't know if that applies there. But obviously here, if he came back, I don't think you'd have that issue anymore. But we'll see if they want to do some type of work around. I know he doesn't want to lose the title or get stripped of the title or vacate the title because it would be the second time he did it. And I think he feels that would disappoint not only himself, but the fans of New Japan, the fans that watch him there. So I, I agree. And listen, I was bummed that Tama did not uh, win, but I, I would be down for Kenta versus Kenta Mox. versus Moxley is I uh, doesn't get better than that. And Jay White returned. Jay White did return. Jay White returned tag team action with Chase Owens. Hikaleo is back. Uh the Bullet Club presence is strong in the USA and in Japan. This is Bullet Club worldwide. And I'm here for it. What's so difficult about the Bullet Club in America is that Bullet Club is primarily American. Obviously, it's international. You have many people, but a lot of the individuals live in America. I mean it that way. They're, they're, they're primarily American. So when you have New Japan Strong, Fighting Spirit Unleashed, that's coming up. Yes. Most of the dominant pieces that are in the New Japan of America are part of the Bullet Club. So Don't maybe they need to do something else, you know? this. I'm not diminishing anything. What I'm saying is that Bullet Club should be dominant if you're going to book it that way. They are. Bullet Club is thriving, and the Dark Order is thriving, and I'm here for it. All right? And you need to catch up on Okada's little... So the Kings of Pro Wrestling, I apologize to everybody who listens to the podcast. I didn't realize that we weren't... that I, that was happening. I didn't realize that we missed that. So obviously it, we had a very aired, busy... Uh, this morning, I believe. Okay, so I, I wasn't that off. We had a very busy weekend. I, I wasn't ready for that. Kings of Pro Wrestling is normally in October... So I just, I got thrown off. You mentioned that it was supposed to be Wrestle Dynasty like last weekend, and I got thrown it off. It was. Oh, super bummer. But nonetheless, thank you guys for listening. We are your AEW substitute preparing you for tomorrow's Dynamite. Check us out. Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram. Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, feedback, anything at all, you know where to find us. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and wearing your masks. And we'll be back later next week, probably, since we have a Thursday Dynamite, with another episode. Thanks, guys.